Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you are here. My name is Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am your host for this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. This is for sure a passion project and something that's very close to my heart and something I never thought I would be doing. We are sharing our stories of why we left religion, what we've learned through it, and how we moved through it with as much ease and grace as possible. This is a place of community and gathering and is not a place for bashing. So I am excited to welcome you to the conversation and welcome you to my show. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Take too. Anyway, I am so excited to be sitting here with Christy Foster. She is someone that I have gotten to know actually mainly through doing personal work with you because you do psychosomatics. Yeah. Working with the body and you're brilliant at it. And and then I feel like there's been a friendship because there's, for me at least, I'm just going to talk to myself that has started to kind of cultivate through that just because we've I've gotten to know you a little bit. You know me a lot of bit. <laughs> Because you get to all my dirty laundry. Anyway, so I am thrilled that you're here. Christy, welcome. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, thanks for leaning in because I know this is a little, like, do you want to be on this podcast? It's like, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something that I felt into and felt a yes. Yeah. And then you're one that's like, when you get a yes, you get a yes. Yeah. Well, and you have, I don't know all of your story, but I know a little bit of it. And I know for me, part of what intrigued me is obviously you've left Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Were you ever Mormon Mormon? Um, my parents, when I was, uh, I was born in Logan and my parents, there was four of us children that were Mormon as children. But when I was two, we moved to Montana to a polygamous community. And so that's where I grew up. Okay. So no, I wasn't Mormon. And yet, yes, yes you were. just because that's where that comes from. Yeah. Do you know what, um, well, maybe this is a little too personal, but I'm kind of curious. There is that, because I just had another guest that had been brought up in polygamy. And for her, her dad had just felt a call. And mm-hmm. that's why he started doing polygamy. I would imagine it was the same with your dad. I don't know if he's ever communicated that to um, you or not. Yeah, I do think that's exactly what happened. He had met someone and felt that that was the right thing to do for Mm -hmm. him. And so my parents moved to Montana and started a community with like-minded people that wanted to raise their children in a place where they could practice their religion freely. So he did start start a community. Yeah. He was one of the the founders, really. There's only a few of them left Mm -hmm. that are of that age. Yeah. There's probably three or four left that started that. How large was the community growing up? Mm, It was actually pretty small. Um, It's a good question. It was very small. We all met in one little tiny building. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had community dinners together. We had dances. We had um, different gatherings where the community would come and it all fit in one building. So Mm -hmm. I would say fairly small. Yeah. But I would imagine it sounds like um, because the community was small, you all knew each other really well. And in some ways, that had to be kind of a beautiful thing and probably challenging, too. Um, Yeah, growing up, uh, we had, it was definitely living in the mountains. That's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. And um, my friends were a house away. And we would, um, yeah, it was a community that I knew as normal Mm -hmm. and fun and 
one that was highly creative too, because we were outside all mm. the time. Yeah. So, and people watched out for other people and uh, children and things like that. So yeah, it was very positive in that respect. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some other aspects that were challenging, especially being in such a small community. Yeah, it definitely, it had its challenges for sure. Yeah. And yeah, those are the pieces that I think any small religious community face. Mm-hmm. Oh, is yeah. How do we keep this separate and yet blend? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the challenges come in. So how long did you live there? I lived there till I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I moved out of there two days after I graduated. It was, um, I was thinking this morning about my my story of what that was. And I remember, especially as a teenager, knowing on some level, I would call it my soul compass, mm-hmm. on some level knew that that wasn't where I would land yeah. as an adult. I remember I was re- recalling a story this morning and sitting in church. I, I'm guessing I was 13, 14, and someone was at the pulpit talking about the end of days, mm-hmm. which we all hear about mm-hmm. all the time. The end of days and... um the right, you know, the righteous will be called. And are you going to be one of the righteous sitting in this room? And because the people next to you might not be. And it's so clear to me. I remember looking at my friends and I know who they are <laughs> still. I remember thinking, I'm not going to be here. I'm not one of those. Hmm. And it wasn't a that I was bad that I wouldn't be there. I was just really clear that that wouldn't mm-hmm. that wouldn't be me. And then growing up and going through high school, um, more and more, I all I could think of as a teenager was, this isn't for me, and what do I need to do to get out? Yeah. What do I need to do to make a better life than what I see? My perception as a teenager, what I see. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I graduated and I moved to Utah and I went to college and... Yeah, there's a lot underneath that. Mm-hmm. You so, want to talk more about that, or let's just move um, past? Well, I think it's I think it's important to tell the part when I moved to Salt Lake. So I left my community, mm-hmm. moved to Salt Lake, um, and lived with my sister for a little while while I was in school. And my path, so the beginning part, I was having a lot of anxiety. I had no idea what anxiety was, mind you. Mm-hmm. All I knew is I was having headaches and a lot of clenching in my mouth and feeling nauseous all the time. And mm-hmm. one of my clients, I did hair when I first got out of high school. Oh, yeah. And she had told me, she said, well, you need to go see this guy. And I didn't have insurance or the money to see many people. And so he was affordable. And I thought, okay. Yeah. And so I went to... Um, this gentleman, and I was probably 19, 20, was on his table, and he did a session with me. And it was a cranial sacral session slash emotional release session. And he put his hands on my belly. And for the next two, three days, I was, after our session, I was so sick, oh, really? crying and vomiting for literally three days 
And all I could think of so was, well, he didn't do anything to me. <laughs> all he did was seriously for the hour, he just put his hand on my belly and mm. my body. Yeah, I understand it today, somatically mm-hmm. released, but I was so intrigued of my what I understood was him not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Why did my body respond? That's what I'm asking. And he wasn't one to give much detail about why. Oh, and you were 18. Yeah. So you're quite young. Yeah. And so I started uh, massage school. He had mm-hmm. a school and started massage school because of that. Mm-hmm. And it really led me to where I am here today. Yeah, no kidding. Because it was something that I was so intrigued with of how did you do that? And um yeah, it was the I think the beginning process of of being seen. Yeah. For really what was happening to that teenage mm-hmm. girl that had left a community that was her tribe, that belonging, and I was leaving it. Yeah. And where do I go from here? And all the questions that come with that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how my story began, especially with the work that I do mm-hmm. today. So you moved, to, you said Salt Lake, correct? Mm-hmm. And you were with your sister. Was your sister still practicing polygamy? Yeah. Yep. She was in it. And yeah. And with that, uh, I was still active somewhat in the church because they have a connection here. And one day I was in church and there was, the details really don't matter. There was a lot happening within that. And I was sitting in a class. I'm guessing I was 20-ish. And what was being said, there was a piece in me that said, that's not true. Hmm. And it wasn't dramatic. And I drove home and I told my sister, I said, I'm never going back to church again. That was my last day. Mom. Which is, I guess it's like me and it's not. But it was so absolute. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was no question in my mind. I didn't question, was that true? Was it not true? It was just so clear. Mm-hmm. And how'd and, your sister react? Um, I don't even know. I, I really don't remember. Yeah. And because that wasn't important, <laughs> it really wasn't. It was so clear of like, you knew this is the direction. Yeah. And, um, that's when things really started to open for me to do and begin a lot of healing work and figuring out who I am mm-hmm. outside of a belief system. Yeah. And what did that look like? Because you're young when you're yeah, stepping out of young. this. And how old were you when you got married? 29. Oh, wow. So you had quite a while before you met Brent. Correct? Yeah, Trent. Trent. Yeah. Not Brent. That's my, the other friend we were just talking about. Her husband's name is uh, Brent. You're close. Anyway, so 29. Mm-hmm. So you had quite a while to really find yourself and and going through a lot of different phases, I'm sure, in, in the aftermath of stepping out of this this religion. What did that look like for you? Mm, I still feel like I was such a baby at 29. I, um, it was so interesting with my, I got married at 29 and, um, it was a challenge for 
my parents to have me get married, not in any type of religion, period. Yeah. Um, so and- were you not that whole time you left the polygamy, you yeah. left that religion that you had known? Did you join or jump into anything else? Be- no, I tasted quite a few. Yeah. I went to... Um, I went to a lot of different churches, mm-hmm. and it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I it just I was searching for some type of belonging, mm-hmm. and and I enjoyed them, and I still didn't want to get tied down to. Um, I didn't want to get tied down again to a belief system. Yeah, of because it felt to me like. Um, I was just leaving something and stepping back into the same thing, mm-hmm. even though the beliefs were a little bit different. Right. The structure is the same. Yeah, yeah. Religion is definitely very structured. Yeah, and I know for myself, and we um, we learned a lot about Catholicism and went through when we had our boys went through. Um, that process of learning and creating a community for my kids, which I loved because mm-hmm. they had a sense of belonging. And the older I get, because I'm 50 today, the older I get, the your more birthday's I today. No, I'm oh 50 my gosh. today. No, I'm I was 50 like, please this tell year. me your birthday's not today. And I had no, I'd no. be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> no, I would be on vacation. I would hope so. Yeah. Especially no, but, for 50. Yeah. I realize at 50 that. The identity of who I am outside of all labels of um, how I grew up is is more important to find that piece of my soul than mm-hmm. it is any anything else. Mm-hmm. How I grew up is a piece of my history. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that I grew up that way to have a different sense of compassion mm-hmm. and understanding because people don't understand polygamy. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think most um, most people that were raised and brought in Mormonism, it was always like the, the thing that was out there, but we don't really talk about. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, there's all sorts of different little... I don't know, beliefs around that. And I don't quite understand what their teachings are, how they're different than Mormonism outside of the choosing to have multiple wives and living in that kind of a community. But I mean, you hear pretty extreme stories like Warren Jeffs and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing that that are pretty extreme. But yeah, the conversations I've had with you and others, I mean, it it was just your norm. That's what you knew. Just like me growing up Mormon, that was my norm. And then I chose out of it. And same thing with you choosing Mm -hmm. out of polygamy. And it's very similar in a lot of ways. It is really similar and comes from the same root system. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we didn't have the extreme like Warren Jeffs. That's mm-hmm. a that's its own podcast. Right. Uh, no desire to get into that. Because it's a that's a whole different thing. Um, but polygamy is um, it works for some people. Yeah. And what I've come to finally begin to accept is that as I accept how they choose to live, that comes back to me. Oh, yeah. And and really from my heart, not my intellect. Because mm-hmm. my, my intellect understood that a long time ago, but 
I think it really, I've come to a space where I truly believe that. Yeah. My heart tells me that. And um, without the fight mm-hmm. behind it, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of, a lot of um, rebel in me. Yeah. Was, is. There, there has been. And, um, and it served me well. Mm-hmm. But I would say today, Hopefully, I pull some more wisdom into that. Yeah. And more allowing. What did you feel like you grew and that you learned and you cultivated from being in that in that community and that in being raised in polygamy and then having such a clear, quiet, almost solid answer that you were done? Mm. Well, being done and working through it mm-hmm. was 20 years. And I think um, compassion for people who don't fit in Mm -hmm. because polygamous kids are odd. And I say that because I was one. Did you guys go to the normal high school and Um, everything? Or did you have through your- high school? Yes, mm-hmm. we went to private school up through eighth grade, and then the four years of high school. And um, everyone knew how we believed, and so there was always that piece of um, standing out, not belonging in in society, really. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's great compassion for that piece. Mm-hmm, I bet, and. Um, And I would say, as I began to see myself and my gifts, that didn't matter so much because everyone has them. Mm-hmm. And um, the capacity to see past what people believe is the gift. Yeah. And you feel like you cultivated that later when you were going through the stepping out? Or do you um, feel like you had that when you were a teenager? No, not till I much later after I left and started doing my own um, healing work around that. Do you mind speaking to that? Like, what did that look like for you? What were some of the tools and the things that you had to move through and things you gained um, because you had that time? I know that it's been um, always an interesting thing to listen to everybody's journey of somewhat going from, you know, being in a religion to where it feels very much outside of themselves to now stepping more into what do I really believe in it becoming such a personal journey mm-hmm. that um, when you're talking about finding your gifts, I would imagine that was one of the things that really started growing. Yeah. Um, when I went to it was a psychosomatic course, my first course, which was, I think it was almost eight or nine years ago. Oh, yeah. And... And I had done quite a bit of counseling. I had done um, due diligence mm-hmm. with the intellectual part and the cognitive piece of um, of coming out of that and being okay with it. Yeah. Um, when I joined this course in psychosomatics, I was so fascinated because the teacher and I went through with my mother. Oh, really? Which was an experience. No kidding. Because. Um, we're, we were so opposite in how we saw the world. Mm-hmm. And my mom obviously was, is still in that belief system. And I had left. And so we go to this together. And um, 
For those who don't know what psychosomatics is, do you mind speaking to that really quick? Yeah. So psychosomatics is how our body um, processes and holds emotional um, experiences. Mm -hmm. So how we think about them, which would be the psycho piece of that word, and soma, psychosomatics, is how we emotionally embody our experiences. Mm -hmm. And it shows up, um, I'll use the face as an example. It shows up in our face and the body. And the soft tissue in the body really is where the story is told and where it can unravel. Mm -hmm. And the structure in the body that we come in with, our bone structure never changes. Mm -hmm. But the soft tissue begins to change as um, you see what's being held and as you let it go mm -hmm. the soft tissue changes that's the psychosomatic response in the body and it's a mixture of emotional physical and i would say spiritual mm -hmm. because all three are in play as it untangles yeah for sure and is that a yeah no that that's a good perfect. explanation for you yeah no um, i remember stepping out of when i finished my first journey around the medicine wheel, which is a year long process. I think it was maybe halfway through. I remember feeling my head and going, I feel like my head is changing shape and thinking that was the oddest thing. And then started reading about how, yeah, when people start going through spiritual awakenings or healings, their structure will start to shift and change. Yeah. And that was just so fascinating to me. It does. Yeah. And it is fascinating. Yeah. It's, that's it's a present time cool. word. Yeah. It is fascinating because that literally happens before my eyes as I work with people and yeah. you felt it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a pretty magical process. Yeah. Very profound. Yeah. Thinking something on the energetic level or the emotional level starts shifting the physical. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Especially as you're seen mm -hmm. in whatever modality that is. Yeah. Cause I, I don't think um, that people understand what's happening on the physical and emotional level when they begin to heal. Yeah. And that is psychosomatics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, so you were in this class with your mom. Yeah. So we were in the class and, um, we did face splits where they split the right side and the left side and you look and see which one is stronger out of balance. Mm -hmm. And my mom and I were completely the opposite. Oh, interesting. Which I found fascinating because we have a similar face shape Mine is definitely a little more um, delicate in my chin, but hers is a little different. But yeah, night and day. And I remember looking at this picture and thinking, oh my God, because my masculine side was so out of balance. It was so, um, it looks like looked like I had been pushing so hard. Hmm. And f it, it looked like a... Um, like a warrior, like a mask of a warrior that a warrior would wear. Mm -hmm. And the other side, the feminine side of me was so small. Mm. And my mom was just the opposite. Her masculine side was so tiny and the feminine side was big. Yeah. And um, so the left side of our face is feminine. Yes. Right the side is masculine. Is masculine. So the masculine um, is present time. And the left is past. Mm -hmm. And so I was so aware that I had 
not dealt with a lot of pieces of my past, having the left side be so tiny. And that rebel archetype in me was the right, (laughs) right? It could completely um, taken over because it had to. Right. And I I can see that now at the time, I think I was mortified because I thought, oh my God, that looks so awful. But that served me to get out of where I was at, uh-huh. to push me to do something different. Yeah. So um, I'm grateful for that yeah. rebel because I certainly did come into the planet with that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, looking at these two pictures and looking at my mother's pictures and uh, my teacher would take us through and look at the body and... um she was telling us, you know, these are your gifts. These are your challenges. And one of my challenges was standing in my sense of self. Hmm. And that I had never really looked at doing it like that in a physical way. Yeah. Intellectually, I, I find that people, that's easy to think about it or intellectually think you're grounded. But it wasn't grounded in my flesh. It wasn't showing up in the body. Not even. Yeah how I was standing, how my body felt, how my face looked. And so once again, just like the experience when I was 18, 19 on the table, it happened again. And I'm like, oh, that's my new path. <laughs> yeah. Right? This and is so your calling. I turned again. And um, so today, you're doing, were you doing massage therapy up to this point? I was doing cranial sacral therapy. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's what I had done. And I went to the University of Utah and got a psych degree. I didn't know that. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. So I have that under me and um and then I started learning psychosomatics and went through that process and I'm a teacher of psychosomatics today mm-hmm. in the US, which is pretty cool. It's well, it's not just pretty cool. Like you are aren't you like the only teacher in the United States? Certified through yeah, through the Australian Institute. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite an accomplishment. There's not a lot of people so. who say yes to that. Right. So kudos to you. You were amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's to me one of the most essential gifts that can be given is to help people see where they're at mm-hmm. and where their challenges are physically because often it's such a blind spot. Yeah. And how to tap into that and mm-hmm. how and literally I say the word how to shift it. Yeah. Through the simplest most tangible things in the beginning. So all of the work that people do spiritually and in therapy can begin to integrate in the physical body because this is the vehicle we're in. Right. And to begin to listen to the body and listen to the messages that it's guiding you. And what I what I really have learned today is the more that I listen to that and listen to my heart and let that be my guide and not my head, mm-hmm. um, I really feel like I'm able to stay in touch with uh, that universal field of guidance. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I was just watching a video on Gaia. I mean, it's been a little while now, but the HeartMath Institute has mm-hmm. done studies and shown that actually the intuition and the intuitive mind, and I would like to say part of our God aspect, lives in the heart. Yes. And they've done these studies where they would have people hooked up to all these probes put on a, a computer screen in front of them an image that would either be fearful or calm. And they would always have a few seconds before the next image it would show up. And before the next image would show, the heart would respond to the image before it was shown on the screen. 
Yes. And so it was fascinating and it was showing, you know, proof that in the heart is actually the intuitive mind. This is where we know things that are going to happen, even though we haven't seen it with the physical eyes yet. And anyway, the heart's just so fascinating and such a beautiful component that I think we mm-hmm. forget that really when we're more centered in that space, that's actually where we start living more from our soul aspect, our true self. Yeah. Because our hearts are connected to that field of knowing. Yeah. And a lot of the science that is coming out is proving that, which is really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's what I, I learned and learning always is to tap into the heart. Mm -hmm. What are, what am I being guided to do? And teaching people how to tap into that and how to begin to shed some of the um, traumas and beliefs that they think is still real, Mm -hmm. which it is real for them until it isn't. Yeah. Well, how many, because you and I talked before we started recording that it, you know, it's been interesting to you to see how many people that come to you for sessions that are leaving Mormonism Mm -hmm. and again, how similar it is to polygamy. I mean, there's similar holdings. Yeah. I would think in any strict religion, not strict, but you know what I mean? I don't think there's any difference. There Mm -hmm. is in the dogma. Yeah. I will say that. And that's not a conversation that we're having today, but the belief part of any system Mm -hmm within a tribe creates who we are. Yeah. And then people, when you're leaving a system and you're leaving a family and people who love you, um, what I see people come in is they they feel so alone yeah. and so lost and mm-hmm. um, so fearful that there's never going to be another community that gets me. Mm-hmm. There's And kind of floundering, which is part of the birth process mm-hmm. of... Uh, coming into really who you are. And um, what I find with people is as they come into their body and they learn how to do the heart-brain coherence, Mm -hmm. which is asking your heart what it is you need Mm -hmm. instead of asking outside of you. Yeah, Because in most systems, and I say that very generally, you're taught to not ask outside, to not ask in your heart you're trusting what they're telling you right is true mm-hmm. and i think in our world today that that um is the key mm-hmm. is us asking our own hearts what's true yeah. and what is truth yeah for me because those are two different things mm-hmm. there's absolute truth that i fall if i jump off a cliff mm-hmm. that's gravity that's truth and there's truth for what's in my heart about how I'm leading my life. Yeah. And I think both are relevant Mm -hmm. and people can learn how to do that and empower themselves instead of when they come see me uh, in a space feeling disheveled Mm -hmm. because their root system, like if you could imagine since we're on a podcast, seeing a tree being pulled up, and the roots are hanging and there's dirt falling off. And what does the tree do now? Yeah. there It's it's finding a new place to land. And I that's really what I help people do is find that place within their own body. Mm-hmm. And whatever belief system they move to isn't the point. It's coming into their own body. And what asking the question sometimes for the very first time in their whole life what does my heart tell me? Yeah. 
What does my intuition sound yeah. like, feel like, look like? Yeah. Yeah. And hence the path begins. Yeah. How do you feel like, I mean, you were talking now today, Christy, and especially probably reflecting as you were going to come on this podcast, looking at kind of your life and how it's played out, how much of the things that you went through with leaving your religion and, and going through the different process of your own healing has now assisted you in everything that you're doing today? 100%. I would say... A hundred percent because the process of leaving and discovery and finding that um, some of the truths that I was told for me aren't true Mm -hmm. and that path continues to get wider and wider. And the more I explore into um, trusting my guidance and not asking questions that are relative to me outside of myself, it it becomes more clear every day, which is why I'm here today, mm-hmm. in that trusting that piece, that it's okay to share yeah. um, where I'm from and some of the struggles that I've had. Mm-hmm. Because I think we're in a a world where people are waking up. And once you wake up, if there's not people standing up that have walked that path it's and saying everything can be, be really okay. scary yeah and and yeah yeah and i think being scared is normal mm-hmm. because it's in the unknown mm-hmm. and um and that's where our hearts come in and our intuition comes in because yeah. we're all connected in that yeah. space do you mind um, sharing some of the struggles that you went through? Um, yes. The, I think I was thinking about that on the way. Um, I think the biggest struggle was not asking other people what they thought I should do. So you did do that? You were asking other people? I did it people. too much mm-hmm. because I didn't, I wasn't aware mm-hmm. that that skill set was possible inside of me. I think that is probably true for anybody that leaves a religion that is similar to ours. Yeah. Because I noticed that in people that come to see me, I did the same thing too when I left. It's how, a big deal. Yeah. It's almost like we're afraid to trust our intuition. We yeah. don't know what it looks like. And so yeah. we're afraid to. I think that's I think that's very very true and and how do I think the other piece Amanda is how do I integrate within my family system still when I'm outside of the family system Yeah and how has that gone I'll speak from my experience I would mm-hmm. say well because my intention is to still love and be part of the family system and be an individual. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's gone quite well and it's been a process and a lot of soul searching and, um, and personal work. It isn't, I don't mean to make it sound so easy and simple because it's a, it's it's a process of finding your identity. I think one of the things that struck me in our session, you know, a lot about archetypal 
patterns and principles. Yeah. And one of the things that you would talk to me about was tribal law and being feeling like we're being kicked out of the tribe and having that because there's a lot of I believe in all the work that I've done and the learning that I've done there's a lot of holdings that we have somehow bought into or agreed to or just as part of our DNA that we don't we have no consciousness around and this was one of those things of yeah this tribal law piece do you mind sharing that because I think it's quite fascinating yeah um so tribal law I'm going to share a somatic story with that. Yeah. Um, I had a dear friend of mine that left the same church I did. And when she left, she was telling me that she couldn't walk. Her hmm. feet, she said, my legs stopped working, my feet. Wow. I she said, I was this close, like, to call the doctor and get a wheelchair because I couldn't walk. Hmm. And it was for a while. And then when she was able to get some clarity and some healing, her feet started working again. Hmm. Because what she had said was, I was breaking the rules by mm -hmm. leaving and doing A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. And our bodies responded, her body responded because the tribal law, which was broken, and tribal system is held in our body in the base chakra, so our tailbone and our legs and feet. Mm -hmm. And... When there's a tribal law that we believe has power, our body will respond accordingly. Yeah. And everyone has this. No one is exempt mm -hmm. from the tribe that they grew up in. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or a Christian or Jewish, whatever that is. We come from a tribe. Yeah. However big or small that is. And when if one chooses to leave that system, the tribal system, and you break the tribal law of stepping out and questioning mm -hmm. what the tribe teaches, that's where the somatics start happening in the body. And they happen differently for everyone, but usually it's low back pain, mm -hmm. it's sciatic pain, it's foot pain, it's um, issues like with restless legs. I mean, it's... There's so many pieces to that yeah. because the body is responding to where do I belong and I'm going to get in trouble mm -hmm. and I'm scared and the somatics of the body going in and out of um, what's safe and what isn't safe starts to happen when tribal law is broken. As I say, I bet it's a sense too of how do I walk in the world now? Well, exactly. Cause your feet yeah. touch the planet every yeah. day and once again, that is why I love the study of psychosomatics, because you actually learn how to better stand, mm -hmm. how to better integrate and come into the body because the body can be regulated. Your nervous system can heal. Mm -hmm. And it's one little tiny movement at a time. Yeah. And that's what gives you your power back. So if someone who's listening is like, holy crap, I'm having lower back sciatic, you know, this is totally mm -hmm. ringing all the bells. What is something that um, beside, I mean, we'll also give out your information at the end. So if they want to reach out and, you know, connect mm -hmm. with you about doing a session, what is something that would be a good tool for them to be able to start utilizing as far as those small steps to kind of calming that system to feeling safe in the mm -hmm. new path that they're choosing? I would say one of the first things that I teach people is how to stand. Mm. So um, if, you know, if you begin to notice how you're standing, 
Because even how we stand often comes from our family system. And I hear it all the time. Well, that's how my mother walked. Yeah. Or that's how my dad walked. And to begin to notice are your feet is one foot out? Are both feet out? Do the, do your feet come in together? Because um, each one means something specific, mm-hmm. which we can go into another time. But to actually have your feet straight and about if you put your fists together, two fist widths apart. Mm-hmm. And to begin to stand like that and notice what that feels like in your body and to take some nice big breaths into your belly mm-hmm. and actually begin to notice your body. Yeah. And notice when you're uncomfortable. Because what I find is people don't like to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I, I would encourage you to lean in to being uncomfortable. Me too. Because if you're leaving Mormonism, which is what your podcast is about, you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, to begin to teach your flesh, your body, that you're safe in being uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I think that's the scariest part is the nervous system takes over and you don't know how to regulate it. Mm-hmm. So by taking a deep breath and actually standing straight and telling your system, we're heading straight into our lives. Yeah. Something that simple, people can begin to notice. Um, and with the feet as well, I would tell people to notice if they're clenching really tight mm-hmm. with their toes, they might be holding on for dear life especially if they're leaving a belief system and to practice. I start with like one minute in the shower. I tell people to do because it can be so, it can be such an activation in the body Mm -hmm. to relax their toes and tell their little toes. Our toes represent the thinking mind that I'm going to trust that I'm okay in this moment. Mm -hmm. And, or some people will raise their toes when they're activated to actually begin to notice what is what are my toes doing? Yeah. Am I clenching? Am I holding on afraid of jumping, afraid of moving forward? Or am I leaving my body and my toes come up when I go into my head and go into flight mm-hmm. patterns? So this sounds really simple and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's such a paradox because of the the nervous system in the body. So for people listening, Begin to notice your toes. When you're in a stressful situation, notice what you do with your feet. Do you clench? Do you your toes come up? Which way are your feet pointed? And point them straight. And let your body be your guide, even when it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But to take a breath and settle into that Mm -hmm. and know that, and I would say know with your heart, that as you practice trusting your own body, you're going to be guided in that next step. Yeah. Because it is super scary Mm -hmm. and can be very, um, very frightening for a long time. And I don't think it has to be Amanda. Yeah. I really don't think the struggle has to last as long as it does for most people. Mm -hmm. Why would you think just because they are holding on to fear? Yeah. And and they aren't aware of the skills to trust themselves. And I was listening to, uh, not listening to, I was list- or read a quote that just said, um, in fact, I think it may be scripture, where, where there is pure love, then fear cannot exist. Yeah. And I've thought about that a lot lately, 
because it is such an interesting paradox again, because mm-hmm. fear is anyway. And um, if we're getting into a place to where we're honoring ourselves so completely to this choice mm-hmm. of stepping out, can we give ourselves enough love then to fill into that space that when fear comes up, we just check back in, fill into the space of love. I'm safe. Like you're, And these little tips that you're giving with the feet, I think, are beautiful. And I love the simple steps because most people feel really overwhelmed, right? Very with uh, my world is completely unraveling. I don't know, like nothing feels solid to me. Yeah. So being able to focus on the feet, I think is such a beautiful, simple practice that's yeah. easy to do. So I love that it's simple. And, and depending on the person, um, I have people that the first time if that they stand that way feels really, really vulnerable. And I would I would say that as you begin to stand in a new way, physically and um, spiritually and emotionally, to begin to uh, ask for guidance for people to help you through that. Hmm, Because I don't think, I don't think, I'm very aware we're not meant to move through that alone. Yeah, I agree. And that's why you're doing the podcast, Mm -hmm. is so people are aware that there are other people like them that... um, could be a really good resource yeah. that isn't going to bash their family or bash how whatever belief system they had, that it's mm-hmm. a community of people saying, yeah, and this is another way. Yeah. And it doesn't discard anything. Mm-hmm. It's just your way. Mm-hmm. This is a very personal question, so you don't have to answer it, but what is your relationship with God now from what it was when you were in polygamy? Mm. Night and day. Night and day, um, I would say the God that I grew up with was uh, very Mm fear-based. If I don't do, because really me leaving puts me into a place of I will go to hell. Right. I mean, it's pretty black and white. (laughs) And I was willing to take that risk Mm -hmm. at the time because, because I was. Yeah. And today... Especially as I learn and I do my meditation practice and my prayer practice, um, I don't, the sense that I have for God is that it is not outside of me. Mm-hmm. And it is. Mm-hmm. But it's, I found that place in my heart that connects mm-hmm. to, to the field of what I believe is a higher power. And um, done a lot of work with also the Divine Mother and the Goddess energy. And I believe both the masculine and feminine are a must together. So to take out the polarity, because I, I think I went both ways. and both, both ways meaning? Like I started looking at a lot of Goddess um, books and mm-hmm. learning more about that because that had never been part of my right. world. And so I've learned quite a bit about the feminine and the goddess, which I love, and mm-hmm. it's so my language, and the importance of the masculine piece as well, mm-hmm. to not have polarity in either one and realize that both are in me. Yeah. And how I connect with that is on a practice daily f- through meditation to um, to feel what's in my heart and connect to something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So... That's where I'm at with, quote, God. So did that version of God, the, when you left at 18, did that version of God die for you? 
Or did it just transmute into what it's at? I would say it transmuted because mm-hmm. I never didn't believe in a God. Mm-hmm. But I believe that it's so much more than we have any idea. Yeah. And um, I don't believe that God's, if, I don't believe that there's a God in heaven waiting to punish people. I just don't believe that because Mm -hmm. Jesus always taught that God is love. If we always go, even go back to the scriptures um, and come unto me, that didn't mean if you do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. It was just, this is what love looks like. Yeah. There was no rules with that. We put rules on what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I always go back to the basics. (laughs) I like to go back to, okay, that's truth. Once again, a truth. Uh And um, and if it resonates with me, then I stick with it. If it doesn't, I just let it go. Mm -hmm. Also a practice of trusting what that is for me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. What would... um, what would be things that you would like to offer to our listeners for, because if people are listening, they're either in some sort of the transition phase. I had a young girl just reach out to me um, who's still in, but is very fearful as far as leaving for everything that we're talking about, mm-hmm. which I know everyone that's listening can totally resonate. And like for me, my heart just, cause you know, that pain and to what you're saying, yeah. it doesn't have I think it's almost that that trepidation of not taking the step and not following our internal guidance is actually what's creating that fear and that um, misery, because it is misery, mm-hmm. more than actually taking that step and, and starting to listen to your internal guidance. So, I mean, we there's a gamut of types of people that are listening to this this podcast, but what would you feel like from your expertise, what you've learned personally, what you're seeing in your clients would be a few things that you, you would love to share as far as either tools or comfort or wisdom, Christy wisdom. Mm. I know there's so much Christy wisdom. Oh, so much, Amanda. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I really believe the most valuable tool we have is getting quiet and and allowing ourselves to feel what's happening and to find a resource a resource being a friend or um someone that you trust that could hold space with you while you feel it yeah because there's a lot of um guilt and shame and fear that if you feel alone can cause a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. or depression or an anxiety attack. Yeah. And to talk to someone and reach out uh, either through the podcast or even asking you or I a question about how do I get support? Because yeah. the support is everywhere. And until we are able to get quiet with ourselves, I think for someone leaving that, when the fear feels like it's swallowing you whole to go outside and really just actually notice your breath Mm -hmm. and ask, put your hand over your heart and take some deep breaths and ask your heart, what, what do I need? And your heart will tell you. Yeah. And to trust what your heart says. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, biggest things I've learned is to take action on your guidance Mm -hmm. and trust that that's real. Yeah. And no one can, 
we can't know that until we do it. Mm-hmm. We can we hear it all the time. Yeah. But if you're leaving and um, feeling uncertain to get quiet with that mm-hmm. and ask for guidance to come in or ask for someone to show up that can help you. And they always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had it happen so many times in my life mm-hmm. that makes me a little teary. <laughs> People show up mm-hmm. and why does this make you so emotional that people show up? Because when I um, have felt most lost, mm-hmm. the most random people show up and one of a story that when I had my two little boys they were just like two and four and I'm a new mama and everyone parenting is a challenge yes it is let alone parenting differently than how how or what you knew mm-hmm. and so one a, a story of this is I walked trying to find a place for my kids that liked children and that wasn't too structured because mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't love that kind of environment for children. Yeah. And anyway, I found this place and I walked in and there was a, a woman playing the piano. Children were dancing, they were playing, there was noise, there was art. And she comes out and she goes, oh, hello. My name is Miss Pearl. Let me take your children. <laughs> and she whisked them away. And all I could think of, I sat there and thought, and her name is Pearl. <laughs> is this even real? It, was this like a class thing or like a church thing? Um, no, she owned a, she like ran a, a child's, oh, okay. um, she called it the Life Art Center, oh. which hundreds of people in Salt Lake know Miss Pearl. Yeah. She's known as Miss Pearl and... Um, I would say she was probably one of the most amazing (laughs) teachers and mentors for me and my little people. Mm. She was also a shaman like you. And Miss Pearl was... I believe an angel mm-hmm. on the planet that was fierce and loving all in the same breath. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was always asking and she's one of many, but probably one of the most profound gifts given. And Because of that, I would say that's really another piece of why I'm here. She never one time bashed my family Mm -hmm. or my belief system. Pearl was Catholic, and um, she helped me see that 
none of that really matters. Mm -hmm. We're just a web, and that's part of the web. And God bless the woman. She, um, she lived what she believed. Yeah. And she was crazy and funny and, yeah. So people show up. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is ask. Yep. And they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. And believe that they'll show up. And they do. Well, and in my experience, there's something so, um, like when you talked about earlier of f- being seen. Yeah. There's something that feels seen, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's probably the only words that I know how to put into it that you just feel like, oh, right, I'm I'm okay, and I'm still being supported even though I'm choosing out of the system. Yes. That is so overwhelming that it's challenging to put words on, and it's such a godsend. Yeah, and there's many people out there who will see you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else with your story that you feel like, feel called, or want to share? Hmm. Um, I would say to everyone listening that people show up, situations show up that will be that next step in your healing of fear of leaving mm-hmm. and, um, always come back to your body. Yeah. Always come back to what's real, which is your breath because you're breathing even as you're listening and I think people forget to notice their breath because they're so afraid. Yeah. A lot of times they're holding their breath when yeah. they're afraid. And they're still not going to die because they can't hold it that long. <laughs> the body goes, wait a minute. Right. And so <laughs> that would be my reminder is people will often articulate that come see me that are leaving. I feel like I can't breathe. And to remind yourself that you're not going to die. Yeah. Because your breath will always be there. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to feel like that. And you're not going to die. And you are going through a death. Yes, it is a death. Yeah. And birth is birth is messy. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it's a new birth of a way of thinking, mm-hmm. a, a new community. And it is messy. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a birth that wasn't messy. Yeah. It's as beautiful as it is difficult. Mm-hmm. So to surrender to the process of what you don't know, because I think that was probably the biggest hook that stops people, is they will say, well, I don't know that. I don't know that. And that's where the spiritual piece comes in, that to trust your system and your own soul that actually you do know. Yeah. You just can't articulate it. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you're leaving. Right. Because on some level, your soul or you heard, this just doesn't fit to me. Mm-hmm. doesn't feel right. That's called guidance. Mm-hmm. Your internal guidance. Your internal compass is mm-hmm. talking to you. And to know that that's going to exponentially grow the more that you listen to it mm-hmm. and the more that you act on it. You have to act on it. Yeah. And if you're leaving, you acted on it and to continue to act on trusting. And amazing people are going to land in your world yeah because that's how it works mm-hmm. yes it is i've had it work i'm sure you have too me too and yeah they show up when you show up but we have to show up too yeah we have to we have to do a little of the work yeah and <laughs> then you have guides like miss pearl for me 
uh-huh. that um, scooped up my children <laughs> and me and Trent. Yeah. Well, and everything you've shared with me about Miss Pearl over our time together, she sounds and feels like an amazing human being who was very rooted and very guided um, and quite an angel, yeah. like you've said. Yeah. And definitely love that woman. And I know I'm not the only one who loves her. Yeah, it sounds like she had quite an impact. But she definitely changed the trajectory of my spirituality and to quit trying to control so much (laughs) (laughs) and to let go and to just let things be messy. Yeah. And she would say to to dance in the mess Mm. dance in the mess yeah i love that and move your body in it Mm -hmm. what does it feel like and she would always say to me come out of your head what does it feel like and i would say that's the work as it come out of the head and go into the feeling yep yeah and from there the body lets go yeah well, and in my experience, and I'm still learning this and mastering this, is our emotions are just energy in motion. They get to be felt. And when they're not felt, that's when disease happens in the body, which yep. I know you know all about. But yeah. we're also not our emotions. No. And that's the kicker. Yeah. A lot of people, we think that we are identified by how we're feeling, and that's not true. Yeah. And people coming out of Mormonism think they're broken. Yeah. There's nothing. And if you hear anything today, you're not broken. Mm-mm. You're just changing what you think was true. Yeah. And and to be okay with all of the shit that comes with that. Mm-hmm. All the messiness. I love, it, it's I love the dancing and, dancing and the mess. That's what she would tell me. And then she would also just say, stop trying to control it. Stop trying to know everything because you don't. Yeah. And be okay with that too. Yeah. And that's good advice. Well, in truth, I feel like it comes in layers because we're only ready to hear certain parts at certain times in our life. Yeah. At least in my experience. Oh, yeah. I used to think that I would leave religion and I would come to this. I'd step into spirituality and I'd come to this high hill and I'd be able to be in bliss for the rest of my life. And then one day I was sitting on my deck and I'm like, holy shit, there is no plateau. There's just another mountain I got to go climb. And that is... That's true. The climb just starts getting easier in my experience. Because you trust more. Mm. And um, and that's... And you let go of control. You let go of control of what you think it should look like. Yeah. And, yeah. And it gets more beautiful, I would say that. I agree. And it's more fun because you realize that you really don't have any control. Yeah. You have control over you and your breath and... Mm -hmm. The choices that you make every day and to choose to trust is one of them. Yeah, I agree. And and to know that you're not broken. Hmm. Beautiful. So if yeah. someone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Uh, probably the best way is to go to my website, which is christyfoster.co and send me an email. Okay. And I'll put your email in the show notes. Yeah. But foster is F-O-S-T- E-R. E-R. Yeah. 
And there's information on there about what psychosomatics is. So if you have questions about that, you can ask me or read some of the information that I've put there for people. Yes, because everyone's forewarned, Christy's got quite the clientele, so it's hard to get into Christy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're well, very busy. It helps people. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. And I would say for anyone wanting that and or for people, um, healers looking to learn a different way to see, that is a really good way mm -hmm. to see and to learn how to observe differently than probably you ever have. Yeah, I agree. Which is psychosomatics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've learned so many fascinating things from you. Well, thank you, Christy. I think we're wrapping up our time. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I loved, I loved this and loved all your wisdom. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Sending you all so much love. Thank you for joining us today. Man, each time I have one of these interviews and these stories that are shared, they are always so beautiful and so touching. I hope that something resonated with you, maybe it was an answer to something that you were seeking. You can find me on my website at amandajoyloveland.com for more information or more conversation there, or on social media at amanda.joy.loveland. Have such a beautiful day, and remember, you are not alone.